0: when we talk about thin places, the ultimate thin place is when we as human beings can reach through the veil and touch God. When we're given permission to pass through that separation between the divine and the mundane, between the sacred and the everyday, able just to reach through. But that begs a question, how do we get God's attention? Are we like the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel, screaming and cutting themselves? How, how, do we, how do we get God to notice us? What's the appropriate way to address Him? Whenever somebody gains an audience with the Queen of the United Kingdom, by the way, she's not the Queen of England, it's actually, there are more nations than that, so the, king, the Queen of the United Kingdom, there are rules. And before you go in, you will be brought into an anteroom where they will stand and they will tell you when you are to stand, when you are to sit, what you're allowed to say, how close you're allowed to be. It is a large set of rules. Some of you have seen this in movies in the recent, I'd say the last 10 years, about the Queen that you've been able to see that kind of approaching protocol. Recently, the President of the United States went across and you know he, he's never really played by the rules and so I was I was hiding under my couch in case something happened and went poorly but it seemed to have gone quite well and if you remember even the last president they, he violated a protocol because he just reached over and, and grabbed her hand and shake and she was pleasant enough about it there wasn't a war or anything but um, it we don't know the rules do we we have to know the rules if it's that hard to get a meeting with the Queen how hard is it going to be to approach the God of the universe? So the, approach, uh, the uh, apostles approached Jesus with a really good question. How, how do we do this? How do we reach through? Their words were, teach us how to pray. Because prayer is that open line of communication with the master, commander, creator, Lord, king of kings, almighty God. Jesus answers the question. Twice, as far as it's been recorded. Much has been made about the differences between the Lord's Prayer as found in Matthew 6 and that found in Luke 11. But most scholars, I was able to check, and again, I'm not a theologian, but I have a network. So the, those that I talked to said they believed that he actually gave people this prayer several times, and it was recorded twice in Scripture. In that case, it's kind of astonishing to see how similar these prayers actually are, and it makes me sit up and take notice of the words. For if they were this important to Jesus, that he would repeat them to different groups, these words should be important to us. A side note, many of our visitors will not understand this, and and please be aware, those days are long past, but for the first 20 or so years of my life, I was told we couldn't say this prayer, because it has a line in there that says, thy kingdom come. And the kingdom showed up in Acts chapter 2, so we're not allowed to say that anymore. Some people fudged it and said, since thy kingdom has come, thy will be done. But we all looked upon them as suspicious, slippery slope individuals. The second reason I was told I wasn't allowed to do it was the vain repetitions clause used in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, uh, the King James Version. When ye pray... We don't do this normally, do we? When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Hmm. We can look at it in the NIV. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. It's clear that Jesus doesn't mind us repeating something as long as it means something to us. As long as we mean what we say, and as long as we don't think that God's impressed with long, strung-out, repetitive prayers. God is not. It is, God does not want you to be a three-year-old following around your mother going, Mom, 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 Mom. mom. Do not send me the clip. It has been sent before. <laughs> I have seen every clip. Just assume... If it, and especially if it has something to do with Scotland, bagpipes or Celts, seen it. Don't send it. Do not send it. Uh, I will pray about you, but not so much for you if you send me these things. Any... When Jesus gave us these words, these are the very words of Jesus, our, our Lord and Savior. These are the words that brought the universe into being because if you remember... He is the creator, according to John chapter one. And whenever he looks at us and says, this then is how you should pray, I think we should pay attention. How important must these words be? So we're gonna do this rather quickly today, but I want us to think about these words as we go through the next few months of studying what we believe and why we believe. We start with that opening phrase, our Father. Forget all that briefing in the room outside the hall where you shall meet the Queen. No, you don't, you don't need that. Say, our Father. Just call Him Father. But, and, and recognize something here. He's not just your Father. I, I, I'm always a, a little weary, uh, weary of the phrase that you hear sometimes, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I know what they mean, but I have a fear that it's gone too far. That I can have a personal relationship with Jesus and not care about anybody else who has a relationship with you. No, no. Our Father. I grew up with three older sisters. If it had been possible, they would have voted me out of the family, right off the island. I don't know how many times, but they could not because they weren't the father. We had a father. And he, I I can remember the first time as a little boy because I'd I'd read some stuff about things in school. And I came back and I said, Is the family a democracy? He said, Nope. Uh, He said, It's a dictatorship. (laughs) Later, I came to him, years later, when I was reading something else, and I said, I remember that phrase, and we went through it. And I said, Now, would you call yourself a benevolent dictator? And he said, nope. (laughs) Inside, I was thinking, good, because we're not calling you that either. But that's um, (laughs) our father. There are more children than you. You are not the center of the universe. You are not the center of attention. There, There are a group of us, our father. We should not live our life beating up God's kids and expect it to go well for us when we meet him. So we don't beat him up. Uh, people of there used to be something called brotherhood publications not so many much uh, many much was that a phrase it must be because I just phrasalized it anyway um, (laughs) not so many anymore however they go online with things let's just be very careful about what we say about anybody anytime anywhere these are people made in the image of God they are his children even if they don't know it Let's so be very careful. The scripture even has a little parable about that in Matthew 13. This isn't on the slide. Matthew 13, verses 47 through 50, Jesus tells him, to, to par, you know, it's, it's like a dragnet. The kingdom of God's like a dragnet. You throw it out there in the water, you pull it across, and you lift it out. And he said there are all kinds of creatures of the sea in there. And the angels will sort out who belongs. The fish never get to form a committee. Let the angels do this. We just move forward in love, our Father, who art in heaven. Well, where is heaven? When I was a boy, that was very plain. It was up there. Hell's down there, and that's, and that's, and we understood this. Augustine, usually called Augustine in this country, Augustine said the word in this context, heaven, means the hearts of the righteous. Who are the very temple of God now whether or not he is correct we do need to understand heaven is a future but also a present reality to God and we are the temple of God according to Peter so and I'm sorry according to Paul in Corinth and therefore we're not to harm our bodies or our temple or use um, misuse our bodies in any way for they are the light of the world they're the city on the hill we are heaven so our father Where are you? Right here. We keep you right here. And if you're right here, right present, that changes our behavior because you are here. And then the first petition, hallowed be thy name. The first part of the prayer. The first part is to say, I want God's reputation to be sterling, to be perfect, can we just, can we talk honestly here, Christians? Have, has it not been true that Christians hurt people often more than those that aren't? Why? Why, why is this true? You know, I think, I think it is because we assume a moral purity that allows us to judge another. We don't have that right and we were commanded not to do it. Now, many of you are going to misread this, I know, and you're going to think I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in saving the planet. You know, planet's fine. Um, I'll recycle stuff and the like. And if you want to ban straws, ban straws. But let's a little bit of come to Jesus' reality here. 95% of the plastic that's in our oceans comes from Africa and Asia, 95%. Of the other 5%, Most of that comes from Brazil. Banning straws is not going to save anything. It's 0.001% of the trash North America produces. If you want to save the world, best of luck with the straw maneuver. But why, why do we do this? It's moral preening. I am better than you because I'm saving the planet by not using a straw. I'm going to go get in my SUV and drive to my 4,500-square-foot house. That's just... Christians, we sometimes get this moral preening and we attack others. Stop it. We are ruining the reputation of God. We have got to live in a way that His name is hallowed and not used as a curse word not used as an omg on our text the archbishop of canterbury rowan williams who my family respected so much that my second grandson is fen rowan graves put it this way understand what you're talking about when you are talking about god this is serious this is the most wonderful and frightening reality that we could imagine, end of quote. Hallowed be thy name, second petition, thy kingdom come. The Jews had long prayed a particular phrase in their prayers, may he, quote, he may, may he establish his kingdom during your life and during your days, end of quote. Jesus was taking this to a new level. Instead of saying, may God someday build his kingdom, he was saying, let his kingdom come, not ours. Let his kingdom come. Now, I want you to think about this. I talked a little bit about replacements for me a while ago, and some of you might be thinking, oh, that was just a throwaway joke, a wee bit of line." No, no. If you are in Christian leadership of any kind, And you are not preparing your replacements. You are building your kingdom, not His. And those replacements are not to be your many-me's. They are not to look like you, think like you, and be like you. They are merely to be ready to take their place in the line, whatever that is, and take the kingdom wherever the Spirit wants it to go, not your direction, His therefore let his kingdom come so do i say the lord's prayer now yes did the kingdom of god come in acts chapter 2 in many ways it did absolutely but every single day i get to decide if this is his kingdom or not by the way i behave by what i do how i treat people how i spend my money where i go every decision Are we bringing his kingdom into reality? Look at it this way. Are we answering the prayer of Jesus or are we frustrating it? When we read Matthew 25, starting at verse 31, in that amazing judgment scene, we see that all those things Christians fight about, not a one of them's there. It is all about, was the kingdom in your heart? How did you treat each other? How did you love and serve? Everybody. Was the kingdom a reality in your life? By the way, I need to... uh, I I love that Brother Albert got a shout out there. That made me very, very happy. I want to give him another one here. After I'd already written this sermon, he said, I've got something on that and brought it in far better than mine. So (laughs) I'm going to have to come back and look at this again using your stuff, Brother Albert. Anyway, third petition. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you notice that there's nothing in here about maybe we'd be good enough on this planet to go to heaven when we die. No, it's all about get busy bringing heaven here. Your job is to establish heaven wherever you are. Your job is to be a foretaste of heaven. That's one of those reasons we keep pushing this as we are open arms, empty hands. We want to be what heaven should be like and will be like love and grace and kindness acceptance this is about being his agents on earth this is about being his ambassadors on earth as Paul would tell us that we are to be in second Corinthians chapter five if we established this in our homes it would kill so many arguments and broken homes would it not that I am the ambassador of Christ to Cammie. She is the ambassador of Christ to me. As we approach each other, it's not a my way, her way. It's not a tug-of-war. It is where's Christ's kingdom in this? How can we be an ambassador of Christ in this conversation? If we applied it in churches, it would kill church fights. It would kill the grudges and power games and private kingdom building. This petition asked God to come here And put this place right through us. Through our hands, our feet, our mouth, our goods. The fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. I must stress once again, I'm no scholar of Greek and the culture of the day. That said, my network and my reading say that this is a statement saying we trust that we will be cared for. If you say, bring me this day our daily bread, and you're really thinking about cake... Because who isn't? <laughs> and you get a little bit of pita and hummus, which hummus is made out of a chickpea nobody would eat if they saw it in its natural state. So they, anyway, they're, they're, uh, that's sideways. And here's the point. If you didn't get the cake, but you got the pita bread, you trust God that that's all you needed today. If you wanted this job, but God didn't give you that job, you trust You didn't need that, Job. You trust whatever God gives you. Give us this day or whatever you think we need on the day. And there's a big difference between wants and needs, and we always tell our kids that, but we don't believe it ourselves in our prayers. Whatever he decides we receive, that's what we get. That's what Job said, if you remember. Job chapter 10 and verse, I'm sorry, chapter 2 and verse 10. You know, shall we receive evil from his hand, uh, good from his hand and not evil? We've got to accept whatever God gives us. That's what we need. And the fifth petition, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the Lucan passage, the word debts is replaced with sins, and that makes it more personal for us. Help us to forgive the sins of others against us as you forgive our sins. Wow. In what way? will forgive them the way you want to be forgiven which is holy, isn't it, completely? We, we always want to be judged on our intentions, and we want God to judge others on their actions. Be very careful. We are to be a people who forgive as we wish to be forgiven. And this is the most challenging part of this prayer, I think. And what really makes it quite uh, challenging is it's not shown as optional. It's not said, now, if you like to include this, no, it is to be a part of our daily prayer that we forgive as we have been forgiven. Wow. Empty hands, open arms indeed. If you wish to be greeted by God like this, and you're a sinner, we are to greet those who sin in the same way. Open arms. The sixth petition. Lead us not into temptation. Temptation. Now, that's been interpreted several ways as well. We know that God does not tempt us. He does not try us. He does not put us into situations trying to trip us up. We get that from James chapter 1 and verse 13. It probably means, as you give us what we need and provide for us, help us not to get our eyes off of you and the gifts you've given us. Regardless of how this is interpreted, we're reminded that there's evil out there. It often places itself in our path. Therefore, we need protection and we need deliverance, which is the next, seventh petition. Deliver us from evil. We have no right to ask God to keep us from all bad things ever. That is not what God has ever promised to us. In fact, he says it is given unto us. Every human being, uh, sometimes said, given unto man, wants to die. And after that, the judgment. So dying is in the bargain. It's in the equation. Which is not all that bad a thing, really. Because life is short and life is temporary. That makes it very, very valuable to us. And there will come a time in many of our lives where you'll wake up one morning and go, Okay, I'm ready. Let's just, I'd rather this thing end right here. Now, some of you have already been there, but that's just because the school was starting, so stop it. (laughs) God will not save us from every twinge and every disease. But what we can ask is that God saves us from the evil that rushes at us and at times just overwhelms our lives. Sometime after... Mark and Luke wrote these words, believers added a doxology. Doxology is a holy phrase, sometimes a holy set of phrases. Uh, In song books that we're going to use tonight, books, songs, yes, we're going analog tonight, uh, there's something called the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here on earth below. We, We know the doxology. But there are other doxologies sacred phrases added to uh, hymns or made as creedal statements some believe these words actually came from jesus added at another time when he taught his apostles how to pray others believe it was a pious addition by the earliest followers of jesus as a response to being given the prayer that we are to pray either way I believe that these words are a gift to us. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Think of this now. When we say that belongs to God, it means it doesn't belong to us. It is not our kingdom to shape and reshape as makes us comfortable. It is not power that we seek after. We readily hand over all of our power to God. And it's not glory. We don't need glory. We, we need to know who is glorious and go to him. Uh, this is kind of a side note, but it's not really. When I was uh, a boy, we, we prayed like this or like this. I'm not sure what the denominational difference between the two of us. But you closed your eyes. In fact, they would even say if you would close your eyes and bow your head, we're, we'll pray now. And I think that was all, it was probably twofold. One, an act of reverence to bow before a king, but another one to keep us focused and not on each other. And so there, there was some value to that, no question. When we are told to pray in Jesus' name, it does not mean that we must end every prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen. We are praying by his authority. Now, I teach sometimes at the FBI National Academy, but I'm not an agent. Never have been, never will be. It's, uh, I'll never pass the physical. Let's put it that way. You know, they put the badge on me and I fall over. You know, that doesn't, that's not, not optimal, frankly. But I can't come to your door today and knock on the door and say, open up the name of the FBI. I don't they that right. When Jesus says to pray in his name, pray knowing you have the right to talk to your father so talk to him doesn't mean you have to say the phrase i like saying the phrase frankly and so i i tend to put it at the end sometimes at the beginning but i like using the phrase if you use the phrase anywhere in there say his name what is it about us that we're very articulate Regardless of which accent comes to the mic or the like, we, we have words and our and and phrasing and like at the very end as Jesus' name. Don't do that. This is the name of our Lord. You say his name, you articulate his name. Now, is it sinful to do otherwise? Maybe. Because hallowed be his name. We say his name with honor. We don't slur it, we don't rush past it as a Roger Wilco over and out. We are saying the name of our God. Now, the doxology varies, by the way, according to whose liturgy you're using. Sometimes it's left off, but we're going to include it here as we close and invite Mark to bring his team back up. I'm gonna ask you please to stand. We're gonna include the doxology. If for no other reason than it says the word amen, and we like ending our prayers that way. When you say amen, you need to know what you're saying. Amen is the, is the linguistic equivalent of applause. It is saying we agree. We like this. This is what we admire. So would you say this and join Jesus, for these are his words given to us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.